Okay, if you'll take the handout you have tonight, we're on our O-Week uh, outreach, and I'm just going to share uh, very quickly from my heart. Uh, I've got our children on my heart, and I don't think we're doing everything we could, and I don't think we're doing a very effective job in uh, reaching them. And I don't mean just in certain ministries like the student ministry or children's ministry. I mean as a church. This is something that has to be on our heart. Jesus said, uh, Suffer the little children to come unto me and forbid them not, for such is the kingdom of heaven. So that's where his heart is. It's got to be the heart of the church. And so uh, we're going to pray about that tonight. I uh, was in Chelsea, Oklahoma, pastor at First Baptist Church. It was a dead, depressing little town. We were the only thing growing in town, in fact. And population was just declining. It was sad. There was a cloud of depressing gloom hanging over that town. And uh, I was talking with one of the deacons in the church, and he was telling me, oh, how it used to be. And by the way, Chelsea, you would think, would be a thriving community because that's the place where the first oil well was drilled in the state of Oklahoma. And um, yet, way back then, I heard stories about uh, how oil companies wanted to move their headquarters there. And the city fathers said, nah, we're not interested. And so they moved down to a little town called Tulsa. And at that time, Tulsa was smaller than Chelsea and all of those. But they were a little bit more uh, interested, and you see what happened. And... Um, the guy was talking, and he was telling me, it was J.L. Harold, Sammy, and uh, we were talking, and he said, oh, it used to be on Saturdays, and this is a story that's repeated around small-town Oklahoma and probably small-town America uh, all over the place. Boy, on Saturdays, you couldn't find a parking pl place. There were people here, the sidewalks were full, and all of these storefront businesses on uh, Main Street, it was an old-fashioned uh, brick Main Street where all the buildings are connected but uh, three-fourths of them were empty by this point and he said man it used to be just there were businesses places to eat there was a hotel and all this kind of stuff and people would just fill the town and I said well you know we need to pray that God would maybe put it on the heart of some Christian businessman to maybe move in here and start a development and bring business in and he goes oh no no, if we wanted to be, this is kind of funny, if we wanted to be a metropolitan area, we'd move to Claremore. That's sort of funny if you've ever been to Claremore. But it told me something about the mentality of the town. We are bemoaning that things are just not like they used to be, but we're not going to do a doggone thing about it. You know what I found out later on? That was a mentality of the church. Oh, it's so sad that we're not reaching people. So sad that people don't come. Well, let's go visit. Nah, we'll let you do that. Isn't that what you get paid for? In fact, to go ahead and tell you a story, that church was in such sorry shape. Um, the previous pastor, first of all, was padding the statistics because he wanted a denominational job, and it just wasn't true what they said the numbers were. And uh, we were living a lie. 
And uh, then I would go out and I would knock on doors and I would visit with people. And uh, everywhere I went, I heard this phrase or something similar. Well, I used to be a Baptist, but I'll never step foot in a Baptist church again. And then they would tell me a story about the church that I pastored. Boy, that'll bless you. Talk about being motivated and fired up. I heard about adulteries. I heard about child abuse. I heard about stealing. I heard about people that didn't pay their bills. I heard about people that lived one way on Sunday and another way throughout the week. All that kind of stuff. Not uncommon. Not uncommon. But sad. Horrible. Nonetheless. And it was a Wednesday night that uh, we gathered. And um, anyway, I... Uh, told the church something that uh, I don't know exactly how it hit them at the time, but I said, I quit. I'm tired of this. I'm not visiting anybody else. And uh, people were kind of looking at me a little bit funny, and I said, everywhere I go, I hear terrible things about people that I love, and I don't want to hear it anymore. And I said, I'm not making another visit until we have something to invite people to. Um... That was kind of a hard pill for some people to swallow because everybody likes to be proud of their church. Everybody likes to think well of their church. But man, it was, it was awful. It was awful. And then um, God struck me. I got to a certain point where I was praying and I said, Lord, I've been here long enough and this is obviously not working. Can I go somewhere else? And I didn't say this, but it was in there. Can I go someplace that's a little more worthy of me? Now, you can't say that when you pray. And if you're a preacher, you can't say that. But you know what I mean? Those unsaid things that are kind of attached to your prayer that you don't dare say, and yet the truth of the matter is, an all-knowing God... I already knew that, didn't he? It wasn't whether I said it or not. He already knew it. And as I began to kind of think over the situation, I thought about how we are about the church, especially uh, pastors, but it doesn't have to be. It can be anybody. This could be you. This could be me. We, we look at the church and we think about what the church ought to be and we think in terms like this, well, I would really sell out to the church if, then we put something else, if it were more exciting, if the music was better, if there were more teenagers, if the choir was bigger, if the finances were better, if the building and facilities were better, if, 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 if. And it dawned on me that if a young man went to a young woman and said, will you marry me? And she goes, yes. I'll marry you. And he goes, man, that is so great. Hey, I'm going to get you set up with a plastic surgeon. And we're going to get you into a weight loss clinic. And we're going to get you signed up with a personal trainer. And, and, and all of that. Man, when I finish with you, baby, you'll be Miss America. How many of you ladies would marry a guy like that? And the guy might say, well, I have your best interest at heart. That young lady would say, if you can't love me for who I am, don't bother. Am I right about that? You know what it dawned on me? I was looking at the church I'd been called to shepherd, called to pastor, 
And I was thinking, if they would do this, and if they would do this, and if they would only listen to me, and, you know, all of that, then I would really be proud to be the pastor of this church. And I mean that in a good way. You understand that. And it dawned on me, I didn't love them. I didn't love them. The pastor that Sammy and I grew up under, whose funeral was just the other day, I was reading an article where he was quoted as saying, if you can't love your church, resign. He was right. He was right. And I had to confess my lack of love for the church. And I said, Lord Jesus, this is not my bride. This is your bride. And I have to love the church that you died for like you love the church, warts and all. And I said, Lord, not only do I ask you to give me a love for the church, but instead of praying to leave the church, I'll stay here the rest of my life if that's what you want. And I was getting ready to say amen, and I couldn't. I said, I'll stay here the rest of my life, and I will quit being embarrassed about it. I'll be happy to be here. This is not a substandard church. This is your bride who's in desperate need of you to do a great work. I don't know what changed in the church, but I do know what changed in me. And God gave me a love for those people. That place that I wanted out of so badly that I didn't think was worthy of me. And my youngest daughter is named Chelsea. And I told the people of the church, for the rest of our lives, every time we pray for our daughter, we're praying for you. This is how much you mean to us. Because something happened in the church when I got my heart right toward the Lord and toward His bride. We started growing. Money started coming in. We started baptizing every week. Sunday school attendance, I mean, grew phenomenally. And it was an amazing thing. The director of missions for Rogers Baptist Association took me out. And he said, with tears in his eyes, I've been in the ministry over 50 years. And he goes, and I just want to tell you, I have seen a modern day miracle in Chelsea, Oklahoma. And I said, Brother Weldon, uh, what do you mean by that? And he said, I was one of the ones that told the pulpit committee that they were making a mistake by calling you as pastor. That this church is no place for a rookie. And he said with tears in his eyes, I've never seen the church in the last 30 years to be in better shape than it is right now. And uh, I said, well, God had to do a work in me because I found out, brother, that the problem wasn't really the church. The problem was me. Now, I'm not going to let the congregation off of the hook. Because they indeed were part of the problem. You know, it, it, we shared the blame, in other words, on all of that. But it was amazing when the attitude changed from who cares to we care. We started fixing things up around the church. We started emphasizing different ministries. 
And it was uh, amazing because the last year particularly that I was there, we would get phone calls on Wednesday into the office from as far away as California. And they would say, are you having prayer meeting tonight? The secretary would go, yes, we are. Well, we've heard that when your church prays, that prayers get answered. Would you pray for us? And we became known in town and other places through relatives and stories as the church that prays. And all of a sudden... When we started getting that reputation, we started growing. Things started happening. And as I thought about all of that, it was a church that when we first got there, you would walk around the Sunday school rooms. And when you walked into the youth room, you could look around and you could go, whew, nobody cares about reaching teenagers. It's depressing and morbid. And it wasn't well taken care of or anything like that. But when you walked into the senior adult room, oh, they had nice padded chairs. They had certain kinds of tables that people bought. It was nice looking. It was well painted. They even had a ceiling fan in their room. And you know what that said? They cared more about themselves than they did reaching anybody else. It was a mindset, a mindset. And what I look at when I think about us and what Jesus said about reaching children, and that would include all the way up into college students in my mind, I think that's got to be on our heart. So I began to pray about that as we started thinking about this particular session in outreach. And the Lord put on my heart, we live in one of the largest school districts in the state. I have uh, had association with more and more schools since 1980. Haven't always lived here, but a good portion of my life I have. When I moved here in 1980, there was only one high school. Can you imagine that? Only one. And it was huge. And uh, the kids that I was ministering to as a student pastor, they were lost in this big, huge school. Nobody really knew them. Teachers didn't really know them all that well. They didn't even know each other. I was in a smaller school, uh, kind of a medium-sized, and we knew everybody pretty much, and our teachers knew us. But these people here, they didn't have that opportunity. And I began to see some of the loneliness and began to see some of the places they didn't fit in. And uh, I began to pray and said, Lord... Don't let the church be a reflection of the culture here. Let the church make a difference here. Now, we didn't have any facilities. We didn't have a gym. We didn't even have a kitchen in our church. Our church, when I went there, was running about 75 total. And you can imagine how many students there were and how many children there were. And then um, things would happen. I, I can remember that I'd be real excited because there'd be a third and fourth grade class down here. And I go, man, when they get up into the youth group, it's going to be something. Except the fifth and sixth grade teacher killed all of that. And uh, we would graduate 13 seniors and get one seventh grader coming in. And that's, that's hard to handle. And uh, it, it was just kind of rough. And I kind of realized this is a hard place to do youth work. I wasn't used to being in a church where they were, uh, were surrounding us. There were all of these different churches 
that ran a thousand or more in Sunday school and we felt like we had to try to compete with those kind of things and those kind of situations and we just couldn't we couldn't keep up with all of those kind of things we couldn't do what they did we didn't have the personnel we didn't have the money we didn't have the facilities we didn't have the for lack of a better word we didn't have the cool factor on any of those kind of things we would knock on doors the pastor and I knocked on over 6,000 doors uh, throughout the Moore community and out of that we got one family you know that's discouraging after a while what are we what are we going to do and why isn't God blessing and and those kind of things and uh, it took a while to really kind of get things moving the right direction even in the student ministry and so I wanted to do something here I met with um, Isaac not too long ago he's got the hardest job in the church the hardest job in the church and to compare some of my experiences with his uh, there's some validity in that there's some but it's a different time back when I was doing youth work parents generally agreed it's a good thing for children to be in Sunday school to be in church people don't think that anymore you know what they think of about church now? Have you heard of the Roman Catholic priest abuse sex scandal things? Well, I know we're not Roman Catholic, but they don't know that. They see it all as being just church. People are not near as excited about their kids going to church anymore uh, to where they bring them up and drop them off or anything like that. There are some, but not quite as much. Attitudes have changed. We've had several generations now here in the Bible Belt that have not been raised in church. And so all the things we assume that they know about David and Goliath and Adam and Eve, and I, they don't know. They don't know those things. They weren't raised in church. They're not raised around all of this. And, you know, as far as they're concerned, their life has been pretty good without it. I don't really need it. Why do I want to go and be bored for a few hours every week and be around people that may or may not like me or receive me or anything like that? And um, with few exceptions, people are just not flocking into churches anymore or making sure that their wives or their children go to church anymore. The culture has flip-flopped on us. And these are the kind of things you see everywhere. And as a result, there's a lot of despair. There's uh, suicide is going up. All of these kind of things. And the culture is literally changing before our eyes. The Roman Catholic Church used to say, give us a child until he is seven and he'll be a Catholic for life. Well, you know, they may not be wrong about that because if you don't emphasize reaching People, when they're young, you're probably not going to get them. Most people uh, are saved before and baptized and affiliated with the church before they're out of high school. And um, there are exceptions to that, of course. But uh, it seems to be you reach them young, and that seems to make a difference. And so here we are thinking about our school system that we live in and the enormous, enormous number of students there 
and the potential of reading, reaching students in elementary, junior high, high school age. And think about for every one of them, there are some parents out there. There are siblings out there. And uh, that made me think of some things. From the website of the Moore School System, look at this. It's on your uh, paper there that I handed out. Uh, they said that their employees, 2,812. That's pretty big. The number of certified teachers and administrators, 1,505. And the enrollment, and this is back from 2018. I don't know why they don't update it. Elementary, 14,038 elementary age children. Isn't that amazing? Junior high, 3,685 high schoolers, 6,000. 823 for a total of 24,546. Now take that 24,000 and add up every youth group that you know in the metro area and we haven't even scratched it. Haven't even come close to any of that. Think of all of the students and the children's ministry and think about all the potential that is in all of that. We got to see it and we got to embrace it. And on that paper, I've uh, put down the text I want to use tonight, Matthew 9, 35 through 38. And so you can follow along. It's the same translation. Then Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, we just talked about a multitude, we just talked about 24,000 plus students. That's what I would call a multitude. What was his reaction? Anger? No. Frustration? No. Disinterest? No. He was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. How dare we think anything different than Jesus does about the multitudes? How dare we and call ourselves a Christian church? Verse 37, then he said to his <clears throat> disciples, okay, this would be a word for us. The harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. The laborers are few. Therefore, here's what you do. Pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. You know, we emphasize programs, going and doing, and all of that kind of stuff. And the Lord says, hey, hold on. Before you do all of that kind of stuff, do this one thing that I ask you to do and pray. And pray not so much for the salvation of souls, not for the size of your congregation, not any of those kind of things. Pray for laborers, laborers that might, that might include you. Pray, therefore, the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Now, you've got some blanks under there, so let's uh, do it. and We'll kind of fill them in. And the first thing, think about this, doing good is admirable doing good is admirable jesus did it he said he went about doing good in uh, acts 
This is an example of it. Healing disease, teaching, preaching, informing, making himself known, explaining the word of God. That's a wonderful thing. It's a wonderful thing. But it's not enough. And we can get involved in a lot of things. We can do, um, well, Mission 405. That's a wonderful thing that we are able to do. But it's not enough. VBS, that's a wonderful thing, but it's not enough. We've got to get past just having events and just doing things. They've got to be streamlined, focused toward the glory of God. Having Sunday school, having church, any of those things that we do. Meals for people, <coughs> helping someone, a mission trip, whatever. Uh, all of those things are wonderful. And we ought to be doing good, but that's just the starting point. And you'll notice here that it uh, moves quickly toward preaching the gospel. That's the next uh, set of blanks that you want. Preaching the gospel. We can't leave that out. We've got to make that a priority. It may take us a while to get there. You may strike up a relationship with somebody and you don't want to pummel them right away. But uh, you're praying for an open door and an opportunity and you show them the love of Christ and you show them a faithful life that they can observe so that they will listen to you. But you've got to get there preaching the gospel. And then something else has to happen. How do you see the multitudes? And that's, that's the next blank. See the multitudes and their real need. Their real need. You know, when we talk about uh, sexual perversion... Um, think about homosexuality. We may look and say, oh, that's a sad thing that they are trapped in that lifestyle. No, not really. That's not their problem. We act sometimes and give the idea that if we could just get you to be straight, everything would be okay. Straight people go to hell too. Probably more of them. By sheer numbers. It's, it, there's more to it than that. We look around at drug abuse, alcohol abuse, divorce and remarriage. We look at things like transgender. We think about things like suicide. We think about broken homes and all of this. Th those are bad. Those are bad. And we've got answers. But that's not really what the problem is. We've got to see the multitudes and their real need. Now, probably all of us here tonight would agree on that, what their real need is. But the next thing is where I really would challenge you. And that is, be compassionate. What do you think of when you drive past some of these schools? What do you think of when you hear about the things that are being taught in schools? What do you think about when you hear about a teacher that's having sexual relations with a, a child? Okay? I know my first reaction, and I would assume I'm not all that different, I get angry. I get frustrated. I just get flat out mad about it. And yet Jesus had a different outlook as he looked upon these people. He had compassion. Sometimes I think the Holy Spirit is going, what do you expect lost people to do? They're dead in trespasses and sins. They're depraved every part of their life. And even when they act in a way that you would like for them to act, they're still sinful and separated from God and on their way to hell. And we've got to get to where we have a broken heart. Whenever we hear things on the news about stuff that is going on in our society, it ought to break our heart. Whenever we see people that are doing wrong things out on the streets and marching and 
holding signs that uh, have all kinds of ungodly and perverted things on them, it ought to break our heart. When politicians break their promises, it shouldn't be something we just take on as normal. It ought to break our heart. Whenever we hear about a pastor who has fallen into sexual sin and had to resign his church, we ought not feel smug and we ought not be angry about it. We ought to have a broken heart because that's going to hurt his family, his ministry, his reputation, people that he has served before, and it's going to hurt the people that he's presently serving. I mean, it's a tragedy when we see these kind of things. And the same thing is true in our own families when we see people that fall away from the faith. When we think about teenagers, for example, that about, depending on who you read, somewhere between six and eight out of every ten that go to church camp, that come to Wednesday night Bible studies, that uh, do all of the things that we do, six to eight of them will abandon the faith. That ought to break our heart. Something's not working. And we're not being effective. And that ought to be our prayer. Lord, I don't care if our church is ever big, but we do want to be effective in everything that we do. Well, we're not going to be effective until we get some compassion to really care about the eternal state of people. We also have to, here's another blank, see the harvest possibilities. Jesus didn't say, well, the crop is slim this year. Boy, there's a real drought. He didn't say that, did he? He said the harvest is, and he used the word plenteous. Plenteous. That means it's a big one. The harvest is available to us. And then he said, here's where the breakdown may be. Pray. It's not so much in the going. It's more in the praying. More in the praying. Pray to the Lord of the harvest. He's the sovereign one in charge of all of this that he might send out laborers into his harvest. You know, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. People don't want to witness. People don't want to get involved. People don't want to have time taken away from their hobbies and their family and their situation. We don't really want to be involved in the work of the Lord. It was explained to me one time, we are more than willing to do work at the church instead of going out and doing the work of the church. Think about that. Why don't we? We'll go back up the outline. I think it's because we're not praying about it because if you pray about something and someone, your heart's going to change and you're going to care. And you're going to be compassionate. And if you are indeed a compassionate person, then you can't help but share the gospel. That's the most compassionate thing you can do. Sure, you can change a flat tire for somebody, but that only helps them until the tire wears out or blows again. But when you share the gospel with them and they're saved, that's eternity, folks. When you're compassionate, you can't help but preach the gospel. And uh, when you are preaching the gospel, then what are you going to do? You're going to be kind. You're going to be looking for needs that only you can meet. You're going to be looking for needs for the left out and the lonely. 
You're going to be looking for those kind of things and you're not going to be afraid to get your hands dirty in it because you see it as an opportunity to show and to share the love of Christ. And when you do that, then what do you do? You do more than good deeds. You preach the gospel. And why do you preach the gospel? Because you care. And because you care, what do you do? You pray. It just works both ways on all of that. And that's really what church is supposed to be all about. When you look at uh, the Moore School System, some information down here for you, uh, the administrative team members here, and there's a phone number there in case you ever want to call them, but at this point, don't, don't make any phone calls. But uh, we need to be praying for the superintendent, Dr. Robert Romines, and you can see an email address there. And I'm going to ask you tonight that when you leave, you won't do it up here, I'm going to ask you to pray for him. And I'm going to ask for volunteers to send him an email of encouragement. And uh, you'll see in your thing there's a sample of what I'm going to do. This is not the time to complain. This is not the time to go on a tirade about whatever you like or don't like. We'll do, you, you can do that at another time. This is just a time to let him know that we are praying for him. We've got his assistants down here as well. Johnny uh, Bailey, uh, another one. This, this guy is a very, very nice guy and a Christian man, by the way. I've heard him pray, and I prayed with him. David Peake, and uh, my goodness, his prayer. He was bold and not afraid to pray in the name of Jesus. I was absolutely shocked when he did that. And uh, Michelle McNear, um, not sure about her. Uh, school board members, do you even know them? And uh, I know some of you are not perhaps in the Moore School District, but you ought to get to know the school board members and find that out on the website. They make policy. They choose curriculum. They have a tremendous impact upon our children and our grandchildren and our culture. And so uh, you can see the names of them there and their uh, email addresses. And uh, we want to uh, think about them as well. Now, um, something else that I was a little... Um, surprised by when you look in the Morris school district i did know that there were three high schools give me credit for that i can count to three and uh, i knew about about those but notice in the uh, junior high schools that there are six of them did you know that and could you even name them they're listed there for you and then uh, there are some alternative schools i'm not really up to speed they didn't explain that much um, but there's Two of them that they list on their website, but it kind of looks like uh, on uh, that Vista, I think it is, Academies. I saw one place where there are like five different locations for that, but don't quote me on that. I'm not real sure. But look at the elementary schools, 25 elementary schools, 25. That's a lot of kids. That's a lot of parents. That's a lot of brothers and sisters. That's just a lot. Talk about a multitude. How could we reach them? How could we reach them? Could we as a church maybe adopt one of those schools? Minister to the teachers? Maybe even do some hands-on projects around the schools that uh, uh, aren't going to get done any other way? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what the Lord would do, but I'm going to ask you to pray about it. And I'm going to ask you to pray for those schools. Some of you may uh, 
have friends there or you may teach there or you may have uh, kids that are there or anything like that. And when we think about how we are to pray for these people, I would uh, just say this, and this is listed on your sheet after the elementary schools, to pray for Christian students and teachers to live their faith. Because it is awfully difficult to minister and to try to serve when you have people that can point out all of the hypocrisy of all of the Christians that are involved in their, in their particular school. So we need to pray for one another on that. Pray for the opportunity to share the gospel. I don't know how long we're going to have the freedom of speech that we have right now. Maybe for 500 more years, maybe not. I don't know. So we need to pray about opportunities that we can get and that we can take to do that. Pray for the well-being of parents and faculty. They suffer through a lot. They're going through a lot. And there are alcoholic teachers, sadly. There are teachers that are going through divorces and they're brokenhearted. Uh, all kinds of things. Some of them struggling financially, as you can imagine. Pray for them. Pray for physical safety. Pray for sound mental health. The suicide rate is just going through the roof among students. And it's getting younger and younger. And the transgender thing is causing more and more and more heartache. That kind of stuff. We need to pray for sound mental health. Pray for the salvation of souls. We don't dare leave that out. And pray for beneficial learning to take place. These people are going to need skills to get jobs. Skills to take care of their families and that type of thing. And that's one of the deficiencies we see now. And sadly, we have to add this. Pray for protection from crime, abuse, drugs, alcohol, sexual activity, gangs, bullying. How many more could you add? Well, I put an etc. on there because you could probably think of even more than that. Pray for the administration and the school board to have wisdom. They need it. They need it badly. Pray for students to build wholesome um, relationships and friendships. Some of you have uh, friends that you've known since first grade. I kind of envy you. I moved around so much I don't have any roots like that. I think it's kind of neat that some of you talk about people you've known since kindergarten or first grade or junior high or something like that. Pray for the students now that they can build that. And pray that it happens even in the church especially. And pray for Graceway to have open doors for effective ministry. There are ways to do this that we probably haven't even thought of and we're not really all that aware of. Well, the Lord knows. The Lord knows. And as you pray... Uh, maybe you feel impressed to take a, and kind of uh, adopt one of these schools. Maybe it's an elementary school that's near your house. And you say, I'm going to go there and pray. Well, let me just give you some things that can uh, help. Uh, don't go on school property while classes or recess, those type of things are in session. Because you're going to look like a pervert and they're going to assume the worst about you. And we, I, I'm not bailing you out, okay? So uh, maybe you got somebody who will, but uh, no, nah, I'm not going to do that. So just don't, don't, don't go there during that type of thing. That may, arouses suspicion. Uh, don't just walk into the buildings. I know it's public property. I know it's taxpayer funded. But they have security measures and things like that. Again, I, I don't want you getting in trouble and having them assume the worst. But you know what? You can go there and you can stay in the parking lot. 
And uh, maybe after hours, you can go walk around on the playground or around the property just to do a little prayer walk or pray for them. You can stay in your car for that matter and just pray for the students and pray for their parents and pray for their brothers and sisters and pray for the brokenness and pray for the sin and pray for the, uh, against the secular humanism and all of the junk that's being taught and pray for truth and pray for them to... I mean, what would it hurt if a group went to the school and they just wept before the Lord over lost souls and the tragedy of a lost generation? Maybe you even, while you're there, you're thinking about not only the students that are there, what about all of the students that are not there because they were aborted in their mother's wombs since 1973? It's kind of sad when you think about that, this culture of death that they're being raised in. And so, uh, as you pray for the things that are listed above and you uh, think about all of that you might even say well how can I get a little bit more personal than that well you might want to send an email and we've given you email addresses to uh, administration and school boards I would encourage you to do that I don't have physical addresses for them but uh, google it um, but when you do that be positive and affirming Thank them for their service to our community. You can always uh, draw more flies with honey than you can with vinegar. That's what my dad always said. I never knew why we wanted to draw flies, but nonetheless, dad's always right, isn't he? So thank them for their service to the community and use our church's name. We want them to know that this is not just an individual. This is a church that loves them and cares about them. They get a lot of criticism, some of it deservedly so, but nonetheless, let's let them hear that there's a church here who actually affirms them, is thankful for them, and prays for them. And uh, feel free to sign it with your name. And uh, here's an example, you know, dear whoever it is you're writing to. On behalf of Graceway Baptist Church, I would like to thank you for your service to the families of our community we know your job is sometimes difficult and we want you to know that we are praying for you. May the Lord uh, bless you during the remainder of this school year. And then I included a Bible verse here, Colossians 1.3. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. Because that certainly would be true. Okay. So uh, talk about lighting a candle instead of cussing the darkness it's kind of what we're talking about here we are the salt of the earth Jesus said we're the light of the world so let's shine bright and I don't know of any place right now that is any darker than the public school system and so we want to go and help those who are trying to do what's right because there are wonderful teachers that see their teaching opportunities there as a mission field. And they love the Lord and they are kind of hamstrung in some ways, but they're doing what they can and it sometimes can get discouraging, as you can imagine. Uh, kids aren't as disciplined as they used to be. They're not as respectful as some previous generations were raised to be, but their need is still the same. They need to know Christ. And that can be... Uh, that can happen and the gospel can be presented to them through a loving, 
teacher, through loving administration, and through the love of a local church that says, instead of griping about everything that's going on, we're going to be salt and light in all of this. And that's what I want to ask you to do tonight. I'm going to back this up, so give me just a little bit of time. And I'm going to ask for volunteers. And as you volunteer to uh, do this, you're volunteering to pray and volunteering that uh, if there's any way possible to make contact with some of these people and uh, let them know that we are praying for them. Okay? And so I want you, as I read off these names... I want you to contact people and I want you to kind of adopt a school that you're going to put on your prayer list. And you're going to be praying for the teachers even though you don't know all of their names. I suppose you could look them up if you can go to the school's website. I'm going to ask you to do something like maybe drive by, maybe even after church tonight, drive by one of those schools, pull into the parking lot and pray for the students and the faculty in the name of Jesus and for their glory. And you can do more than one. Um, and maybe when you see that there's one particular person that nobody raised their hands, you can change your vote. And you can take that on. You can take as many of these on as you want. But uh, I would like to ask for volunteers to pray for and to send an encouraging email to the superintendent of Moore Schools, Dr. Robert Romine. Because we... Uh, good, thank you. Okay. Then we go on down to the uh, next name, and uh, Johnny Bailey. Any volunteers? Thank you. Got that. Uh, you may know some of these people. Uh, David Peak. Got any takers on that? Okay, got it. Um, let's see. Let's go on down to uh, Michelle McNear. Anybody want? Got several for that. Okay, good, very good. And then when you think about the school board members, uh, Allison Ritchie, that's not okay. Uh, Stacy Pruitt, got any takers on that? Am I missing some? Got it. Uh, let's think about Aaron Morrison. Hey, these are important people. Okay. okay. And uh, Mandy Kincannon. Got any hands on that one? Am I missing somebody? There we go. Yep. Um, and then for Jenny Stat Statler, I guess it is. Anybody want to reach out to a Jenny? That's a good name, isn't it? Okay. And uh, Vicki Brickman. Vicki Brickman. Okay. And um, now think about this. Who will pray for more high school? Let me just see some hands. Okay. Uh, what about Westmore? Got any Westmore takers? Some, some of you went there. And Southmore, down kind of by close to where we live. Okay, need some people to uh, pray for uh, some of our junior high schools. And uh, think about those kids there. They're at a very vulnerable age. Any, uh, anybody want to pray for Brink? Okay. Anybody want to pray for Central? Okay, we need you some takers there. Anybody want to pray for Highland East? We live over in that area. And Highland West. And uh, Southridge. 
Southridge. Okay, thank you. And um, what in the world did this do? Uh, is it is it Westmore Junior High? Okay, who who'll take it? Some of you who knew it, go ahead. Okay, we'll skip the alternative schools. Okay. What? Okay, go ahead. Who wants to pray for the alternatives? Okay, good. I'm not exactly sure. You know. Okay. Um, let's just go down through this real quick. Okay. Apple Creek Elementary. Uh, good. Briarwood Elementary. Broadmoor. Good. Uh, Bryant. Okay. Uh, Central, right over here on Broadway, yeah. Uh, Early Wine, for that, okay. Uh, Eastlake, it's got Eastlake, okay. And uh, Fairview, that's close to us, okay. And Fisher, several for Fisher, good. Heritage Trails, not real sure where that, good, thank you. Um, Houchin. Did I say that right? Houchin? Uh, Kelly Ellie. I used to live by that. That uh, tornado. Got that one. Uh, Kingsgate. Okay. Uh, Northmore. We got a lot of them here, so you're going to have to take on several. Um, Oak Ridge. Got any Oak Ridge takers? Good. Um, Red Oak. That red oak down by the Y. Uh, Santa Fe. Good. Okay. Sky Ranch. Okay. Uh, Sooner. Boo. <laughs> South Lake. We doing okay? South Gate. Okay. Uh, Timber Creek. Timber Creek. I see some? Okay, good. Uh, Wayland Bonds. Okay. Uh, Winding Creek. Okay. okay um, is that all of them? I think so. Okay. I'm sorry? Okay. Y'all got it? Okay. So we good? Okay. That's a big, big, big challenge. But we're used to taking on big challenges. Throughout the ministry that I've been here at this church, we've taken on big things that sometimes churches that are multiple sizes above us have looked at and they have said things like this, Ooh, we could never get enough volunteers to do that. But Graceway always could. Some of you remember back when we used to uh, feed the students of Westmore every Thursday for lunch. They would come in, and I mean the fellowship hall would be full, and they would come in, they had about 10 minutes or so to eat by the time they drove here, and then they would eat, and then they were out. We did that twice uh, every Thursday. Called it TAG, Thursday at Graceway. Remember that? How many of you remember Upward? Boy, there was a time where we had 400 kids 
in Upward here. They'd come into our gym and we'd have all these teams playing each other. And um, we'd share the gospel every halftime. And we'd get up there and we'd preach those people in those stands. And uh, it, it was pretty amazing. Pretty amazing. And we had people from big churches around here of different denominations that would come and see what we did. And we had routinely people that would say, yeah, I'm not sure our church could handle this. Yeah, well, Graceway could because we're that kind of people. We take on big projects and we get after it. And we do it and we do it well. We have people that come to our Bible schools because they like what we do and we do it well. People that come to our camps that we put on ourselves and we do them and we do them well. And we could go on and on with different things like that because that's just kind of who we are. And why are we that way? Because we serve a big God and we have a glorious and amazing gospel. And we believe the truth. And we believe that only one life will soon be passed and only what's done for Christ will last. We believe that God honors every seed that's planted. We believe that He blesses when His children water the seed and He will give a harvest if we are only faithful to pray and to be available like Jesus said in uh, the Gospel of Matthew that we read. The harvest truly is plenteous. The harvest truly, truly, He said. He didn't say it could be. He didn't say it might be. He didn't say, I hope it will be. He said it truly. That's a statement of fact. That's a statement of positivity. Jesus is saying to them, there is no problem with the harvest. There is a problem with the laborers. And it doesn't take long. You don't have to be in church very long. You don't have to be in very many churches very long before you realize that the average... Well, I'll put it this way because I've never really been a part of any other church. But the average Baptist is lazy. Lazy. We got time for everything but what matters. This is the time to focus in on what matters. We've got an entire generation coming up here that we need to reach for the Lord Jesus Christ. Isaac, would you come up here and close us in prayer? In a prayer for reaching children and reaching students for the glory of God and as he comes up here to pray would you pray for him and during spring break uh, Shanley Huber and Melissa Foote did such a good job of ministering to our children but we would like we would like to reach more and be more effective in what we do I would like for you to pray that we have to raise that screen because we're baptizing every week multiples of people. Wouldn't that be exciting to see something like that? And wouldn't it be great to come up here to a parking lot and say, I better get there early or I won't have a spot. Wouldn't it be great to come in here and somebody, I mean, some of you won't like this until you stop and think about it. Wouldn't it be great if every time you came in the auditorium, somebody you didn't know was in your seat? Wouldn't it be great if we all said, praise God, you can have it? Yeah. Wouldn't it be great that everywhere you went when you talked about the Lord, somebody said, what church do you go to? And you said, Graceway, and they knew it? Wouldn't that be wonderful? And wouldn't it be great if the Lord Jesus were to say to all of us as members of this fellowship, well done, 
good and faithful servants, enter into the joy of the Lord. You didn't waste the opportunities that I gave you. Let's pray. come into your presence right now, not with empty phrases or empty hearts, but we thank you for who you are, we thank you for what you've done for us. God, we thank you that, Lord, you have not only called us, but involved us in your mission. Lord, I know that this church has prioritized and emphasized the importance of the gospel. Lord, I appreciate the resounding response to want to be involved in reaching students, not just teenagers, not just for our children's ministry, not just for our college ministry. Lord, help us to be so focused on reaching students, that we're not so blinded to the idea of just getting them here to be involved in what we do. But while we do pray for that to be a result and a byproduct, Lord, there are thousands, thousands of students from kindergarten to graduating seniors who do not know you, though they live in a heavily churched and heavily saturated religious area, they have no idea who you are. Lord, the biggest, most glaringly obvious place that we fall short is in prayer. Lord, these students are not just representing themselves, they're represented by parents who largely inform and shape what they think and what they believe. Lord, it's a vicious cycle to see parents who don't know you raising their children the best way they know how for some of them, but it's the perpetual cycle of they don't know you the parents don't know you, the child grows up to not know you, and yet that is not excuse enough to at the end of their lives say, I didn't know. And how can we, in good conscience, knowing what we know, believing what we believe, having the truth on our side, 
do nothing about it. Lord, I pray that it would move within the hearts of our people to commit to prayer, Lord, to do what Jesus said in the text we read tonight, to commit ourselves to pray. That is so heavily important. But, Lord, at the same time, help us to also seek to be the laborers that Jesus told us to pray for. It's real easy to ask you to send laborers into the harvest because that in some ways gets us off the hook. Lord, please, please send them. But when it comes time for us to seize the opportunity, we fail to take it. Help that not be the case. Help our church be a missional church that views every area, everything that we do, wherever our people live and reside and eat and play and do life, there is Graceway. Our homes are direct links to our church family. Help us to look at whatever schools are closest to us and help us to emphasize and prioritize those. Help us to come together and to, to do what we say that we will do tonight on a consistent basis. It is a large task. It is a demanding one to minister to children, to teenagers, to young adults. But it is so worth it. Not because they might become members of our church, but because they need to know who you are. I tell our students all the time, if, I, if my only focus is the kind of leaders that they could be within our youth group, then I've failed them. Help us not to be so concerned about who they are while we have them, but to be more concerned about them growing to know and to love you far beyond wherever life and wherever you may take them. Thank you for tonight. Thank you for this overwhelmingly supportive message to understand, Lord, that we have been placed in a prime area to do work that you have graciously chosen to involve us in. Lord, you are the first missionary. When people were far off from you, you came to them. When we were far from you, you came to us. You were not lost, we were. Help us to view the families. Help us to view the community. Help us to view our world the same way. Lord, make us into a missional church to continue to, to go beyond the events and to encourage the events so long as they promote and provoke individual autonomous growth and love for you and for your word. I pray this in your name. Amen. Amen.